Welcome back to the Jasmine Star Show. My guest today is Rachel Valenzat. I actually had to ask her to make sure that I get the pronunciation, pronunciation, I can't even say pronunciation, right. Here I am, the oh, the irony is I'm trying to verify how to say somebody's last name and I don't even know how to spoke English. Here's the reason why I am so fascinated with Rochelle. I had explained that we often get pitched quite often to be a guest on the Jasmine Star Show. And so when we are going through applications, I came across her bio as a serial entrepreneur, an immigrant, a CEO, and a tech founder. And I'm like, huh, interesting. But here's the thing that I think is the direct value to you as a listener. So Rochelle's latest venture is Juliet. It is a tech-first premium laundry and dry cleaning company based in New York City. Now, you're probably thinking, wait, what does tech and dry cleaning have to do with my business? Well, let's take a very pulled back idea of what's happening here. Traditional industry, ready to be disrupted. Somebody who has like the guts and the chutzpah and just the desire to say, can I look at a traditional situation and make it different? And that is where Rochelle has decided to jump in. And I want to have a conversation because wherever you are listening from, you might be doing something that otherwise people would think would be traditional. Is there a new or different way for you to look at your business? Well, Rochelle is here to break it down for us today. I am so excited. Rochelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and I can't wait to share what I've learned with everyone. Uh, Okay. So I have to say, this is the first time we've met and that's a little bit rare because the vast majority of people I bring on the podcast, I know in some personal or professional capacity. So I did my homework before bringing you on the show because we were fascinated with everything you're doing and the way that you're showing up to help other people in traditional marks do very, in traditional markets to do very untraditional things. Okay. So now talk to me for somebody who just really doesn't get how technology and laundry dry cleaning, like how did it start? Where, where is the starting point? Where are we now? Break it down for us. Sure, sure. I like to start with the customer because we are all about the customer and solving the customer's problem. So I'll break it down from their point of view and how they use Juliet. So our clients will use Juliet to request to pick up. We will pick up, clean, and deliver their clothes within 24 hours at the top of a button. It's cashless, it's contactless, and it's convenient. That is our main differentiator from everyone else. Now, that's all great for the customer. Like, this is great. I can just request to pick up on my phone and my laundry is done. But the technology is, you know, how do I do this for an entire city? How do I dispatch? How do I pick up? What if people want pickups at different times? And what if one's over here and one's over there? And how do I who how do I know what belongs mm. to who? And how do I know who's hypoallergenic? How do I know what's hang dry? How do I know what's laundry versus dry cleaning? Well, that's where technology comes into play. And we leverage technology so that we can deliver amazing customer service. We have a 90% retention rate because people just love how easy it is to use our service. But then they're texting with us and we're texting back like, mm. is this what you need? Uh, is this the stain that you're talking about? Is this the button that needs to be replaced? Is this what needs to be dry cleaned? And that's why they love us. That's technology. You know, traditional Mm. cleaners, they're not texting with you at 11 p.m. or 11 (laughs) a.m. You know, that's all technology. So we're using technology to do pickups and deliveries. We're using Mm. technology for quality control. And we're using technology for customer service. Okay, how did 
Girl, I'm fascinated. I have a thousand questions right now. So this right here seems like really next level, but how did you get started? Like what made you wake up one day and you're like, I want to build this? Sure. So it was around 2013 and I was using Seamless a lot for food delivery. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I would call my cleaner and be like, can you pick up my laundry? Could you deliver my laundry? And sometimes they would come, sometimes they wouldn't. It was very inconsistent. And that was my aha moment. Why isn't there an app that could just pick Mm -hmm. up and deliver my laundry and dry cleaning? And then I looked into it and I was like, oh, wow, this industry is very old and fragmented. And there's a gap between customer service and branding and PR and marketing and just bringing it into the 21st century. That's how I got into it. I I just went down the rabbit hole. And so did you have any prior experience with tech with branding? Like how did, how did you decide I'm the person to solve this fragmented problem? So prior to Juliet, I worked at another tech startup. So I was already exposed to the tech community and I was exposed to how much you could do with technology. I don't know how to code. Now I know a little bit, but when I started, I didn't, you know, I was just a part of the community. And also my first company was a social media agency and we worked on brands, you know, big fashion brands. And that's where I I got my marketing and my PR Mm. savvy, I guess you can call it. But that was my background prior to attacking this problem. And I'm like, well, let me just take what I'm naturally good at, what I get complimented on, (laughs) which is the social media, the branding, the marketing, and then let me just sprinkle technology on top and let's see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I immediately, this is why when we looked through like the podcast application, I said, she's my people. She's my people. Like this is the, and this is the principle of why we wanted to bring you on the podcast, because I really, really want people to understand that the thing you're complimented about, it was the foundation of what it is to be a business. And so if you right now feel like I don't know anything, and so for like in this particular case, Rochelle's like, I didn't know how to code, right? And you might be saying, I don't know how to do this in my business, but here is something I can do else that's different. Let me fill the gaps by learning what I don't know or bringing in somebody who can help. So this is where we want to start connecting the dots. So we have like social media savvy, branding, you do have some familiarity with the industry that is like tech. And then you decide, I'm going to bring everything together. And then where do you start? Like how, okay, you're like, okay, I'm going to be doing this. And I'm like, I immediately, Rochelle, I immediately go into, what are the logistics for your drivers? What are the logistics of clothing? Are you scanning each article of clothing, like rent the runway and then meets Uber, meets a dry cleaning business? I'm like, I get in and I'm like, how? Yeah, it is rent the runway meets Uber. It's so funny that you got rent the runway right away because at its core, rent the runway is a dry cleaning company. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That is their core operating Yes. Model, is that it's a dry cleaning company. Yes. And so you are absolutely right. Each clothing is photographed. We photograph everything. And we have to, because it's just like when you're dealing with that much volume and how do you control quality if you're not taking these types of, you know, benchmarks? And I mean, I'm a huge fan of photographs, timestamps, GPS, ETA, like you can see the GPS of the clothes coming back to you. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I, I like, yeah. there's yeah. so much I want to get out right now. So I want to bring everybody, we do have like a mixed, uh, a mixed audience. There are people who are familiar with Rent Runway and then there's people who are not. So for people who are not familiar with Rent Runway, it's basically an app and a website where you can go through and you can choose outfits to rent. And then what Rent the Runway will do was we'll send you the clothes, you wear them, you put them back in a package and they are shipped back. Now, the difference here is that Rent the Runway has barcodes on every hanger and every item of clothing. And they're working with the same inventory, which is, when you think about it, a nightmare. And then all of a sudden, Rochelle says, you know what I want to do? I don't want to have a line of the same type of clothing that will be treated and laundered the same kind of way. What I want is a wide variety of a billion different types of pieces of clothing, different types of fabrications with different customers. I'm literally covered in a logistical chill fest and I'm like, you are my new hero. This is fascinating. And so when you first start, what are you feeling? This is, and you said it's 2013 when you decided to take the jump? So 2013, I start putting pen to paper. Like, Got it. what is this? Like, okay. do I have an idea? Is like, what is going on? You know, okay. so all of 2013, I'm cold calling laundromats and I'm just researching laundry businesses online. I'm just for a year, just scouring the internet, trying to make sense of the industry. Now, during this time, do you have another job or is scouring the internet your full? Okay, so this is tech, in 2013, this scouring the internet is a side hustle. I wanna make a point of that because people who are listening think that it looks a certain way and you're like, nah, nah. I had a 40 hour plus job and this is what I did on nights and weekends. Yes, nights and weekends. So nights and weekends. So, you know, I would do my work during the day and then in the evenings, I would just research different laundry companies like laundry industry, laundry history, what what are the numbers, what's the market, what's the actual pain point, just everything. Before I even start anything, I research mm-hmm. for one year. And then I was like, okay, so I want to pick up people's clothes from the phone. How do I do this? <laughs> right? How do you do this? I don't, I don't know how to code and I don't have a laundromat. I don't have any funding. And I'm like, how do you do this? So What I did was I reached out to a friend who worked at the tech company that I was working at. And I said, in your free time, when you're not working here, (laughs) do you want to tinker? (laughs) Otherwise that's like, you know, poaching like talent. But I basically said to him, I have this idea. Can you build the prototype for me? Which is Mm -hmm. just like the most simple version. And can you charge me one year later? Because I don't have any money to pay you now. Wow. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it for you. And I got lucky. I really, I really got lucky with that. Well, Um, Rochelle, I'll be back up and I'm going to challenge that. I would challenge that in that nobody would do something if they didn't think that you had the capacity, not just to pay them back in a year, but actually to fulfill on the thing you set out to do. Because a developer doesn't want to code something for a payment. I think a developer wants to code something for a payment and then actually putting his or her creation out into the world. So there was clearly something, yes, it was luck and yes, it was good relationships. There's something a little, a little magic there too. There is, there is. And you know, so many of those early relationships were based on trust. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it is, you know, mm. we're trusting each other and I'm trusting them and they're trusting me. And that has to do with your prior reputation and your prior work ethic. So before you even start a business, Mm. I call it a personality. It's, Mm. it's the specific personality that is a CEO that is a boss. And 
it's not better or worse. It's just a specific type of personality. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. So 2013, pen to paper, a year of due diligence. You reach out to a former peer and say, not poaching, nights and weekends, I'm good in 12 months. And then this person agrees to create the prototype. How long does that take? And then when do you start testing it? Well, nine months. Okay, so now we're a year and nine months and you have your prototype and then what do you do? So I'm like, okay, I have the prototype. Um, Where do I clean? Like, how do I actually do this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's something that I want to share with people. It's like, you can have a great idea, but so much about being an entrepreneur is figuring things out. Like there is no manual. There's no, okay, step one, step two. And it's different for everyone because every business is different Mm -hmm. and every core competency, like my skill set and my competency is different from everyone else. Mm. So when you launch that business, a lot of it is like, okay, so how do I figure this out? So then I downloaded a list of every laundromat in New York city. And then I cold called them and I pitched them. And I was like, I have this idea for an app that picks up laundry. And do you want to partner with me? And maybe you can clean the clothes. Mm. And everyone uh, <laughs> laughed at me. <laughs> you know, you get, you get a lot of those no's. They, they don't understand what I'm right. saying. They don't understand the value prop. And there was this one guy who sort of just like, maybe, he was like, maybe I'll entertain the idea. He didn't say yes, but the maybe was all I needed to show up. Mm. So I showed up at his laundromat and I basically said, I'm not leaving until you say yes. And I was like, so we cut a deal and I worked for him for free for six months. I worked for him for free for six months, learning the laundry business, like just the- When you say you worked for him for free, like explain exactly what you mean. Explain it to me like I'm five. I showed up at 7 a.m., I swept his floors. I ran the counter. I washed the clothes. I dried the clothes. I learned how to, I learned how to run the laundromat. He was like, if you're you're serious, he was like, if you're serious about this, you need to know what you're doing. Because I didn't have like that kind of experience running a lot. Like, okay, I want to run a laundry business. Okay. Have you ever run a laundry business? (laughs) Okay. 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 Logistics, logistics. So do you stop your other job? And you no, no, because my other job was online. It was social media. So I could easily just like, got it. Okay. 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 So we, okay. So ladies and gentlemen, please note the funds were still coming because she was maintaining her job at this point in time, we're almost at the two year mark and it is still a side hustle. So you're eating the cost of your side hustle while your full-time gig is paying your bills. Yes. So you're sweeping the floor at 7 a.m. You are washing clothes. You understand the business of building a laundromat as well as understanding the business of how to take the laundromat to customers. Okay, so you're learning the ins and outs of the laundry business. At what point in time are you like, I am ready? How long did you do the proverbial floor sweep? Six, goodness. It was like six months of like earning his trust, right? Uh, he mentored me, he trained me. And I used to show him, I used to show up with a notebook because I used to time, <laughs> I used to time wash cycle. I would time folding. I would time drying. I would time everything. And I'd be like, okay, so it's like a roughly 115 if it's 10 pounds. Da, da, da. And one day he said to me, he, he, I'll never forget. He was like, Rochelle, try not to be so smart about everything. Huh. And I was like, what? <laughs> 
And he was like, sometimes you have to just like, he didn't say no or feel, but he said, don't, don't be so smart because so much of it is just, you figure it, it essentially he was saying you figure it out. You know, it's not like, you know, you're trying to fit uh, this into that. You're trying to make everything fit perfectly. And that's just not real. It's not wow. how it works, at least with laundry and dry cleaning. You know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of different garments, different orders. Um, so I, I got that, you know, I was like, okay, let me just, let me just do this. And then I understood that so much of the business is this trust that people have with you. They're sending you their clothes. Mm. I mean, imagine how long it took you to find that garment. Imagine that piece that you only wear because of sentimental value or this because it's so comfortable. Where is this laundromat in New York? What borough? Midtown. It's okay. New York City. So here's another thing that like you, it comes into play. You're not dealing with somebody who's getting their Levi's laundered. You're getting somebody who lives in Manhattan in Midtown who probably has spent a bit, a bit of money. And then they're willing to send it to a virtual stranger, which this is where Rochelle is talking about building trust. So at this point in the timeline, I'm doing it. You're about a year and one month into this journey. When yeah. do you start connecting the dots between the app or the prototype that you had created to actually getting the clothes to the laundromat? September 21st, 2015. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So tell me about that day. Like so create the story. So here's the story. So now I'm tr- I've, I've trained with him. I've earned his trust. He knows that I know how to do a laundry business. And um, I was like, I want to do this. And he said, okay. And he gave me a key to the laundromat and he was like, do it. And he was like, it's, if you really want to do it, do it. And so I was like, okay, so now I have a laundromat, which without funding, because if he did not give me that key, I would have needed money to get a lease. Right. I would have needed money to buy machines. Right. 40, 40 grand a pop, you know? Wait a minute. So does he give you the key with any like, no, I know, but with equity expectations, or he just said, you worked for me for free all this time. Here's the key as compensation for doing the dang thing. I had to give a percentage of my sales. Got it. Okay. Okay. It was like no rent, no this, but, but I think he he understood that I was starting at zero. This is incredible. So talk to me about the age of, I'm sorry, I'm assuming it's a guy. I think you had said he. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How old is he? He's got to be like... At the time that this is happening, roughly. Mid to late 40s. Okay, mid to late 40s. And at this time, you're around what age frame, more or less? Like I was late 20s. Okay, so he's older. He sees a hustle and a respect. And then he sees the the possibility of having a percentage of what would otherwise be considered passive income. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So we're leveraging, you know, like underused assets because I'm not cutting into his. So you're using his laundromat in the off hours? Yes. Oh my, this is freaking amazing. Okay, so you have the key and then your next initiative is I need customers. I need customers. And what do you do? So I had a social media agency, right? Okay. One of my clients was a big real estate company. So then I pitched them and I said, hey, I have this laundry app. And maybe I can do the laundry for your residents in the building. And because we had that prior relationship, they were like, 
yeah, sure. Take three buildings. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> okay. So they say, and they, and they don't want, they don't want anything in return. They're just like, yeah. okay, because of the relationship. So explain that to me when you say take three buildings, what are you doing? Like, what's the next step? So I said to them, I said, can you send out an email blast to all of your residents? Like, I don't need your emails. Just let the residents know that I'm here to do their laundry. Can I put flyers in the emails? And can I put a stand in the lobby, letting them know that I'm here to do their laundry? And can I like give laundry bags away? And they were like, yeah, we'll give you, you can do that in three of our buildings. You have got, I am fascinated. I liked you before. And now I'm like president of the Rochelle fan club. So you, are you literally standing at these tables? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got photos like standing at the tables, like, Hey, I'm doing laundry and this. And so, okay. So for somebody who's not in New York, uh, what are the size of these buildings? What is, okay. So what is your potential new customer pool? And that pool P O O L I said pool as in P U L L anyway. Okay. What is the potential customer pool? And then how many people opted in, in that first time frame? like three buildings, yeah. how many people, what was the uptake? What did it look like? So three buildings, roughly 200 apartments each. So you're okay. looking at 600 customers, potential okay. customers. Correct. And I think by the time, like three months in, we had a hundred customers. Wow. And guess what? A lot of those customers are still my customers today. Okay. So you start in these three buildings, which is so smart, you're starting in concentrated areas to start figuring out what logistics look like. Mm -hmm. You start taking their clothes, washing, laundering, dry cleaning in the off hours, and then you're returning the clothes. But what happens, like, are you doing all of that yourself? When do you start? Oh. Yeah, no, I didn't sleep for three years. Yeah, it was was very, it was very difficult. Um, I had to make a lot of sacrifices, a lot of compromise. But that was the exchange. So, you know, I did this without institutional funding. And I did try to fundraise a little bit in the beginning, which I I didn't get that money. And you need money so that you can hire a team or just to like scale and expand. But I didn't get that money. So I had a choice. I was like, okay, what do I do do if I don't have the money? I was like, well, you just have to work with what you got. Mm. You know, you just, you just have to work it and you have to prove it and you figure it out. And then you learn your cash flow, you learn your margins, and then you start there, even if it's only one, but you have to start somewhere. I am fascinated right now. So at what point do you build the business that you, how long did it take for you to bring in your first hire? And what did that look like? It was probably six months later and I hired um, someone to do the pickup and delivery. Because it. I, it was me and one girl. So it started off with me and one girl. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and we would go pick up the clothes, bring it back to the laundromat, wash it, fold it, deliver it back. And then I, my first real hire was someone to help with that, with that pickup and delivery. And it was like three, three to six months later. So talk to me, talk to me in that first six months. Mm. What was one of the worst things that happened? Or, or did it? Was it flawless? Did it feel like you're like a swan and you're just coming into your own? You know, so one of the, I'll say this, when I went to market and I'm like, how do I compete right. without funds? Like, how right. do I, how do I compete with the very little bit that I have? And the first thing that went into my head was, well, you got to be open when everyone is closed. 
So I went to market and I'm like, listen, I will pick up your clothes by 10 p.m. and you'll get your clothes back before 6 a.m. Oh my God. So you turned you turned somebody else's liability into your asset. Yeah. Because oftentimes people who are going to work, it's like it's laborious to go out of your way to make sure that you're dropping off and picking up during normal business hours when you should be uh, at your business during normal business hours. So the, oh, it's so New York though. It's so the perfect yeah. market for it. It's so... You know, every cleaner closes at like 6 p.m., 7 Correct. p.m. maybe. And a lot of New Yorkers are working. Right. You know, and then they got to take it to the cleaners. And this and right. like, well, just use me. If you, if you tell me you need your clothes picked up by 10 p.m., I'll be there. And then you'll get it back before 6 a.m. because then the laundromat was going to open. For right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but they didn't know that. They were in love with the idea. They were like flabbergasted that I could turn so it So what was now. one thing that happened in the beginning that you're like, this is terrible. I'm not sure I can yeah, make it back. No, like- I didn't sleep. I didn't mm. sleep. You know, it really ate into like my, my mm. sleeping, my health. Like I really, I was burning the candle on both ends, you know, it was, right. it was a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work, but till this day, that model works, you know, we still pick up, um, we go until 9 PM today. People love it. So how many customers do you have now? And I know that you're in New York, but we started off with like, you're like in six months, there was a hundred customers. And now years later. Yeah, we have, we have a lot of customers. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> we have a lot. Okay. So when we think about this and we're talking and it's and it's resonating because you simply said, I didn't have money and I didn't know how to do it. So then you figured it out and you leveraged what you had. A lot of people are listening and saying like, okay, I know that story all too well. So I, I know I said I did my homework and something that you said really resonated with me about your story, that you're an Asian immigrant woman who built Juliet using zero funding. And I'm going to read a couple things. Yeah. I know that um, I am the daughter of an immigrant and we talk about like how it shapes our perspective of what we have in this country and how we build. Now you wrote an email to the podcast team and I'm going to read what you wrote. Quote, in 2020, VCs invested $420 million into US-based startups each day. I'm going to repeat that again. That's not in the notes, but $428 million each day are invested in startups. That is $156 billion in one year. 2.3% went to women. 2% of 556 billion went to women. And 0.2, went to women of color. Why is that? And when the numbers work against you, how do you make an impact? I read that and I was like, okay, this is a conversation that I want to have. And even if somebody's listening and you're not a woman, And even if you are a woman, but you're not a woman of color, this is a conversation. It is just for us to know the game. And because once we know the rules of the game, we can break them on our own terms. When I look at Rochelle, I firmly, we could see she's breaking the rules, but she first had to understand. Talk to me about building bootstrapped. What does it look for you now? Do you look for funding in the future? How have you been funded? Is it continue to be self-funded? Is that your objective? How do I view funding now? So- Funding can be strategic. I changed my perspective a lot over the years. And, you know, I've been at this for like 10 years now. So my views are different. And where I was between 2014, 2015, 2016, when it was this this growing startup and I was establishing a footprint, I'm like, okay, guys, I have a company. You should invest in me, you know? And I will Mm -hmm. say this, my counterparts 
in that same time frame went on to raise five, 10, 15, $20 million. And today is 2022 and they are all out of business. I will say mm. that. And it used to really break mm. my heart because I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Because mm. I have the same concept. I have, I am capable. I am pitching, but I'm not getting through to the investor. What's wrong with me? Mm. You know, and I had to do a lot of self-analysis. And now looking back, I realized that I was desperate. They probably mm. smelled desperation on me because they mm. saw that I was stretched thin. They saw that I was so mm. hungry and there's nothing wrong with that. But looking back, you know, if I'm sitting at the other side of the table and I see someone, you know, like gaunt and like, no, I can do this. <laughs> like, really give me money. And they're like, no, I actually don't want to give you money. You know, mm. now I'm able to put myself on the other side of the table. And I realize that Money is important. Mm -hmm. Money helps you grow. It, it can, it's a resource, but it is also about the relationship. Mm. You want to find someone who believes in you and the money is a tool to help you get from A to B. So who backs me now? I have raised small funds along the way. The majority of that, those funds came from my customers. Wow. So there was a customer who I did not pitch him. And he was so in love with the service. He said, I want to invest. And I said, really? <laughs> and wow. he's like, yeah, I believe in this. I believe in you. And I believe in what you're doing. And I see the hustle and I, and I get it. And then not only did he invest, he brought on two of his friends to invest. And they are all in that world, in the finance world, in private equity, and in investments. And so I never pitched them. I just Ooh. kept on doing what I was doing. And um, that's where I got my money from. Oh, oh. okay, Rochelle. So uh, I'm CEO of Social Curator and we've originally started off as a membership. And then in uh, 2021, we made the big, bold declaration that we were going to build our own tech stack, hired a CTO. And let me tell you, like the differences, it's been wildly different. And what I realized that when you're building technology, it's so fund intensive, and we hit an inflection point where I'm like, we can't run as fast as we want. We will continue to be bootstrapped. I don't think investors get what it is we do. And so just like you, when you said your customer invested in you, our customers invested in us. We had a promotion and we just said, listen, do you want lifetime access to what it is we do? This is your opportunity to invest and sit with us throughout the journey. And hundreds of thousands of dollars was the thing. And I'm like, this is how it's done. It's done on the back of doing the work. If people trust that you will follow through on the work that you were doing, the funds will come. So if somebody is listening right now and they look at your story, uh, you are an immigrant. Yes. How old were you when you came to the States? Three. And did you end up in New York? Did your family... Or did oh, you grew up? Or did I grew you? up in New Jersey, but uh, both of my my parents were sixteen when they had me, sixteen, seventeen years old, in the Philippines, and so that's already like a big barrier, you know. Wow. Teenage parents in a developing country like the Philippines, where opportunities are few and far between, and so getting to come to America was a dream come true already. I was like, "We're here! Yay!" <laughs> yeah. So. Where did you go to college? Or did you go to college? Fordham. Fordham. 
Oh, so you, okay. East coast girl through and through yeah. how, what drives you to New York city? Land of opportunity. Oh. <laughs> I would, I could not do what I'm doing. You know, in many, I could in many parts of the world, but in many parts of the world, like I can't, mm. you know, to be mm. able to run and move the way that I can in New York. Mm. So I know that you have a love for New York. In fact, you had a blog post titled A Love Letter to New York. When you think about expansion plans and growth plans, what does that look like for you? As a business owner that runs a locally based business, what do you want to expand? What does that look like? Of course. So we have our eyes set on DC and Miami first. We want to mm-hmm. establish our footprint on the East Coast and then work our way out West. So it's going to be Miami, DC, Chicago, Houston, LA. Wow. Well, when you do get to LA, maybe we can have an advocate. I'm, I'm just south of LA. I'm in Newport Beach. So, you know, hey, hey, honey, there's plenty, plenty, plenty out here. But um, I have a question that wasn't actually part of my notes, but I hear who you are and the authenticity. And the question for me that comes up is, why this? You're a busy CEO. You're wildly successful. Clearly, clearly, you do the work and you let the work speak for itself. So why are you giving so generously of your time? almost an hour of your time for this podcast. And it begs the question, why? What does this do for you? Well, if I had known some of the things prior, I, you know, I do believe in sharing and giving back. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. That moves me like so much, so much. I just want to say thank you because I hear the story and I actually love the story before I heard the story. And now I'm like, oh my God, this woman, like, it's incredible. It is incredible that there is somebody who said, I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have the money. And here I am showing up because so many of our listeners are in your exact situation. And all you do, all you do, they're not likely going to build what you're building, but all you do is you hold a torch and say, if you want it bad enough, you'll figure it out. And I'm so moved by that. And so I just want to say thank you. So for our listeners in New York, if you see a Juliet, hook it up, like support somebody who's giving to others. But how can people continue on your journey for people who are in DC and Miami and Houston, Chicago and LA to see the future version and support that? How do they connect with you? What do you want from this? How can we pour back into you? You know, just we met, uh, we update our blog every week, whoisjuliet.com. And we're very active on our Instagram at Juliet Laundry. You could also follow me at Irishelle. And that's where I share the updates and I let mm-hmm. people know and I try to share little, little pieces of advice and um, just give back any way I can. Yeah, you're the best. Irishelle, uh, who is Juliet? You know, all, all good things. If you are interested in branding and pitching and just seeing the hustle, y'all join Rochelle and what she is doing. Thank you a thousand times over for being on the Jasmine Star Show. You are a ray of light. I hope just more good comes your way because nobody is more deserving than somebody who just puts the work in and then shares with others. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 